0: words on water.
1: This episode is brought to you by GF Piping Systems, the leading flow solutions provider specializing in process automation solutions to ensure sustainable water management for life. GF Piping Solutions uses their know-how and experience of the complete control loop to solve the most complex process challenges, guaranteeing high water quality, providing reliable measurements, and assuring stringent regulatory compliance. Their full package of innovative products and solutions ensures top-quality installation and a long life, while their highly skilled team of experts is available to support customers worldwide. Learn more at gfps.com. Hi, welcome to Words on Water, a podcast of the Water Environment Federation. This is the host, Travis Loop. Joined for this episode by Antoine Walter. He is with GF Piping Systems as the Senior Business Development Manager of Wastewater Treatment. Thank you for coming on the podcast.
0: Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Travis.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to this conversation with you. Uh, A little bit of of a different conversation because you really help support uh, so much of, of what happens across the wastewater treatment sector. Uh, and maybe we can start with you explaining a little bit about the business of GF piping systems. What, what do you all do?
0: Well, basically we are this invisible part of the water industry. We ensure that flow is flowing, which sounds obvious, but it's not that obvious, so usually you have a a need, you want your water to go from A to B and if you're a process company that's where your thinking stops and that's where we started we say okay you want the water to flow from a to b we deliver the pipes the fittings the sensors the valves the actuators whatever would be needed to have this water flowing so that is our aim so we are somehow a flow company
1: yes like i said you really are, are a foundation for so much of, of what happens uh, and. I think from that position that you hold, you have unique perspective on the trends that are happening in the water sector. And because you know you need to come in and respond to those trends, you have to provide support and solutions. Uh, so I want to talk about some of these trends that that we kind of talked about off air, uh, things that you're noticing, and uh, and just how you support these changes. So one of the things you talked about is. You know, there's a lot of upgrading of facilities that's happening right now. Could you talk about that trend, what what you're seeing? And then the second part of that is how you're responding and supporting that that trend of, of all these upgrades to facilities?
0: Yeah, I think there, there's something to, to understand there, which is, of course, we know there are many people who don't have that chance to be deserved by an existing infrastructure. So for those people, I guess... It's a different story and I'm pretty sure we will address that story as well. But for the ones which are currently deserved by an infrastructure, be it a treatment infrastructure, a wastewater treatment infrastructure, many different types of infrastructure, most of the time those infrastructure were built in the sixties, in the seventies, and think of the, the Clean Water Act in the US, for instance, and similar regulation were coming into force in Europe, in Asia, roughly at those times, which means that in terms of, of process content, those facilities come towards their end of life. And when they come to the end of lives, you have two choices. The first is you erase everything. You just destroy it and start from scratch. Or you're a bit more clever to that extent and you reuse whatever can be reused within this infrastructure. And most of the time, the concrete tanks are absolutely fine. What needs to be upgraded is the process because you have more people living in the area because you have new new pollutants that you want to remove from that water and to that extent upgrade is a good option so upgrade can have many different forms it can be submerging membranes in in a concrete tank and saying, hey now i have a membrane bioreactor it it can be uh, intensifying processes it can be turning i mean adding additional stages to what you already have and that is on the same hands pretty clever it's a, a good value for money approach, but it's also a challenge because you have to fit new processes into existing infrastructure. And that's where we think that um, we can be helping the companies which are looking to those upgrades because it needs a special arrangement of products. It needs a special arrangement of systems and, and solutions. And that can be challenging, but the beauty, as you said, of being in this bottom part of the water industry is that we are discussing with many people. and. Usually, if you're a utility, you have to upgrade once every 20, 30, 40 years. If you're like us, a supplier on this bottom part of the pyramid, we have the chance of assisting people to upgrade every second day. So we can tell new people what we've done wrong in the past because you don't always do everything exactly perfect the first time. But I think we now come to a point where we have so many experience about these upgrades that we can be supporting in kind of every kind of constellation.
1: No, fantastic points. Uh, Another trend that that we talked about that I'm really interested to hear your perspective on is uh, the growing uh, increase in on-site reuse and decentralized systems. Um, You know, this is a, a really different area. And, you know, I think it's important to clarify, we're talking about the global water sector here, um, what are you seeing with movement on on-site reuse and decentralized systems? And then again, the second part of that, what's, what's your role? What's your response in that? What has to happen from a company like yours to support um, more on-site reuse, more decentralized systems?
0: So if we start by zooming out before we zoom in, the reason why we go into this decentralized distributed approach has much to do with what I just said before about this existing infrastructure. Because if you add more people into the cities, and if you remember, there's going to be about 70% of humanity living in cities towards 2050. And in some areas of the the world, like like Asia, or in some parts of the the US, it's already the case today that you have above this 70% of people living in cities and always more people living in cities, which means the existing infrastructure will come to a limit. And again, you have a choice whether you... Erase everything and build back bigger, or you try to add more capacity outside of the, the core of your network. And when you add more capacity, it directly goes and leads into those approaches of having decentralized approaches and of treating water a bit closer to the point where it's used. And there you have, I would say two different routes. The um, developed words route is to say we have those cities and we need to be clever in that use of water, and that's what you see in the US, for instance, in, um, in San Francisco, in, 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 uh, in Los Angeles, in New York, in parts of Texas, uh, that you more and more have on-site reuse, reuse of water, because it makes little sense when you think of it, to use 100% drinking water in the full building for whatever appliance you have within the building. 95% of the water needs can be covered with different shades of gray water, and that means new routes for water, new treatments and shorter use loops. So that is really one first approach. Now, in another part of the world, they don't have exactly the same infrastructure and they don't have the same whiter than white approach in some cases. What I want to say with that is if you look, for instance, in in Brazil, there's something very, very, very powerful, which is the condominium. The condominium is a decentralized approach. It's saying that for your part of the city you're going to gather with your neighbors and you're going to build your micro utility in that part of the city which you're going to manage and which you're going to support uh, yourself so there's still a central utility which is helping you with the global planning which is helping you with some engineering and stuff like that but on the local local scheme the first responsible is the citizen and that blended approach between traditional utility and and now local solution is a very powerful way to give access to, to water and wastewater to these billions of people which are lacking this access today because it's cheaper to some extent but it gives you also a, a better ownership about about water you know these invisible lines we have in cities no nobody walks in a city and says hey i want to see the network it's impossible you don't see it it's something that we we've learned to forget and with these new approaches where, where you blend a traditional utility with a local involvement there, you bring back a bit of this element of, we are touching the water. We understand the value of water. So it's the different shades of, uh, of solutions between this onsite reuse in a building this onsite reuse in a condominium or a, a group of, uh, of houses. And I think by blending all these approaches, we may be able to solve the water challenge we have currently in front of us worldwide.
1: Fascinating perspective there. It's it's definitely a uh, growing, rapidly growing area uh, that that needs a lot of attention and a lot of solutions. Uh, maybe along the same lines, there's also uh, an increase in smaller facilities. Where you know, seeing more smaller facilities. Um, what are you seeing in that area? What's happening out there?
0: So the smaller facilities can can be, again what we just discussed on the municipal level. But I think if we are a bit more specific here, most of the time, a small facility is an industry. The reason why is that in the past, the traditional approach was you build an industrial plant next to a river. If you look at how that, that's grown over, over the years, it was always like that in the, in the 19th century, in the beginning of the 20th century. You would always build a factory next to a river because that way you have this water service. Water comes in, you use it, and you bring it back to the river. And for decades, it was really that straightforward. You don't really treat it. You just take it, use it, and flush it. Now, there's two things at work. The first is, of course, the environmental considerations. You cannot just pollute and hope that nature will cope with it. I mean, the level of chemicals ringing in, 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 water, in water in those days is simply something nature cannot handle on its own. So that's one first part. The second thing is water scarcity. I mean, there's not enough water for all the users of water. And industry today is 20% of the world's use in terms of water. And those 20% are the ones you can a bit easier short when you're short on water. You cannot short what you eat and you cannot short what people drink. So what you short is the industrial use of water. And shorting that water means that most of the time regulators come to the industrial players and say, hey, now you have two choices, whether you simply close or you don't use water anymore, that's not possible, or you treat it yourself. But if you're an industrial player, you're the absolute best specialist in building the good, which is made for your factory. So if you are factory producing cell phones then you're the best in the world to produce cell phone if you're a factory producing t-shirts you're the best in the world to produce t-shirts and most of the time you're not an expert in the water loop and the water use within your factory and most of the time those industries don't even understand exactly where water flows we've seen cases where they know water is entering in the in the factory and they know water is coming out of that factory but what happens in between is kind of black magic and that's absolutely fine that way because that's where water professionals step in and say, no worry, we deal with that. We take your water, we put shorter loops, we put reused loops just next to your, um, your, your production lines, and we can support you with that. And that's where we play again our role, which is to say, you know what, you know that water has to flow from A to B, that's us. Don't worry, we take care of that. We make sure that it works. 100% of the time, 24 hours per day, 7 days per week, and so far, and so on. And that's the first part of the story. And sorry for the long answer, but the second part of that st- same story is that you don't want to have a water engineer standing next to your plant all the time because that's just not affordable and just, just not possible. So what we offer here is a high level of process automation to say, we have simple parameters, we have simple solutions, what we ensure is that you want it to work in automatic mode, we make it happen. So so that is really our take at that specific subcategory of the market.
1: Mm, yeah, don't worry about the long answer. There is so much to discuss and so much to explain. Really uh, good stuff. One of the, the biggest areas that we all know is is what's happening with technology and, and the digital revolution, if you will. Everything just keeps accelerating in that area uh, exponentially, really. What are you seeing with the trends um, with technology, especially around sensors and data?
0: Well, first, what are we seeing? A lot of buzzwords. I mean, <laughs> you, you have um, every single pitch now has words like artificial intelligence, um, IoT, industry 4.0, and you can just use the words and then they might be a bit empty or you can leave by the words. And actually, digitization, for the sake of digitization, doesn't bring much. You have to have problems that you solve and one of these tools is a digital tool. So that's the way with... Uh, Honestly, we've learned it the hard way because like everyone, uh, five to 10 years ago, we were on that bandwagon of saying, let's be digital for the sake of being digital. So today there's a big um, trend in trying to understand what that really means, what digitization really means. So in terms of sensors, you can put sensors everywhere. You have nowadays sensors for everything. So you could be adding as much sensors as there's space on every piping, on every kind of facility. We do believe... That is not the right approach though. The first thing is that you you have to understand what is exactly your situation today. And that is the most unsexy part of the process because for six months to two years, everything you will be doing is assessing the existing so that you make sure that you have an absolute clear sight of your facility, of your network or whatever it is that you're working on. So that is not sexy, but you have to do it because if you don't do that, well, you're just flushing money basically saying. So the second step is trying to understand where you have to put the right sensors and the right sensors most of the time are not the most advanced one. It can be very basic stuff because this very basic stuff is going to be your best proxy to understand what's happening. So when I say basic, it's it's flow, it's pressure, it's temperature. And if you put those sensor at the right place with this data, you can then extrapolate every other kind of data. So long before you invest in ten thousands of, of sensors of the highest technology and, and the, the newest generation, think of what basic sturdy stuff is going to do for you. So that is the second step. And then the third step is why are you collecting all this data? Are you collecting it? because You'd like to have a lot of data shown on a screen, or are you collecting it because you, you see a clear value for you in that data? And honestly, we all would answer with the second part of the, of the proposition. You need to extract value out of that. And that value can be reducing your water losses, that value can be um, enhancing your, your efficiency on the network, reducing your energy consumption, reducing your chemical consumption, and all of that is possible if you do things in the right order. So starting from the grassroots and saying, I want to make sure I understand my infrastructure. Then I put the right um, data in place at the right place in my network infrastructure or whatever it is. And then finally, I make sense of that and I get my value extracted. It is a long process. It takes time. It's not something you snap and you get it directly done Um, and powerful. No, you have to invest time, effort, and a bit of money. But again, if you have the right partners, and we can be one of them, um, that is something which will bring tremendous value on the long run. And to answer uh, with the last part, your your question on what we see as a trend, um, in the past, you had clear layers. The sensor hardware manufacturer was doing the hardware. Then the electronics... company was connecting that hardware to a central SCADA system and then you had some service companies doing something else and and, and so far and so on so you had many 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 layers what we see nowadays is that new verticals are appearing companies which go from from the hardware to the upper level of the the service up in the cloud sensors as a service water as a service and all the new kind of buzzword i could be throwing here what we believe is that even though all the layers might not be necessary in the future, it's hard to be an all-in-one and to say, I know everything, and I'm the absolute expert at every kind of layer. So what we strongly commit to is trying to be open source, agnostic, um, connectable to everything and everyone, and build together these common pots where digitization will bring value to everyone.
1: Mm again, super helpful information very very thought thought provoking and thoughtful um, I know you know you GF uh, piping systems and your your parent there you know are involved in a lot of different industries you know and I'm curious about how your business how your experience in these other sectors outside of water you know helps with your work in water i've you know the conversations i've had over the years i really find this to be incredibly true um you know companies that are involved in areas outside of water uh, are able to uh, bring some unique perspective and benefits to the work in water
0: absolutely i mean first don't take me wrong i'm a water kid i love this industry i'm I'm a second generation water kid, my parents are water professionals, so don't take wrong what I'm going to say, but water professionals and the water industry in general is a laggard industry. So that has a strong advantage. It means that when we're looking at our cousin and sister industries, we are looking at the future. So if you look, for instance, the the usual suspect is energy. You look at energy, you look whatever is happening in energy, 10 to 15 years later, it's happening in water. So. If you have this outsider perspective of saying, let's go, let's zoom out, let's go out of our water silo, you might be able to see a part of the future. And it has strong advantages to be a laggard. You can see whatever they've done right and copy it and import it into our sector. And you can see everything they've done wrong and make sure <laughs> that we don't do it uh, in turn in the water industry. So, so that's why having this open arms in other sectors and industries is, is very powerful. What I was saying, for instance, with the decentralized approach, we're not creating anything in the water sector. That is what energy has done with micro utilities 10, 15 years ago. I mean, you can have solar panels on your roof today and be your own producer of energy. Well, some someone down the line in the water industry, you will be able to have your onset reuse facility in, in your basement and being your own producer of water to flush your toilets. So we are really seeing the same causes leading to the same consequences. Um, nevertheless, <laughs> the water industry is still a quite special beast. So even if you look at the future, you have to understand the particularity of, of that very regulated area, a very conservative area, because if you do something wrong with a solar panel at, at worst, there's going to be some rain in your, in, in your attic because you didn't put it right on your roof. If you do something wrong with water, the consequences can be much worse. So that's why you still have to be a bit cautious. But for sure, being an in, um, an industrial player, active in in many different fields, I mean, water is probably one third of what we do in terms of global business in GF piping systems. It gives us a strong sight into all these all other trends, and um, and it it feeds cool innovation and ideas into what we are doing with our flow solutions.
1: Fantastic. I wanna ask lastly uh, about kind of the news right now and, and the disruptions to the global supply chain. And I want to get your perspective um, again as as a company that's kind of the underpinnings of, of so much happening um, and and really a critical part of the supply chain for the water sector uh, what what do you see happening out there how's it impacting the water sector and how are you able to respond to this challenging situation
0: so first uh, let's be fully honest and transparent it's challenging for everyone and we are fully part of these companies which have been challenged by by the 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 difficult supply chain so um, it's not there's not a magic pill we cannot say we are so much better than everyone that if you come to us we will always be um, much better off than anyone else nevertheless we have a special approach for now several decades, which is to be local everywhere. So it's not like we have a central factory uh, in the headquarters in Schaffhausen in Switzerland where we have the chance to sit. It's about having factories in every country we, we're in. We have several factories in the US, several factories, um, I mean, really everywhere. So that means that we can have shorter production loops um, and, and a decentralized approach in our industrial network as well. So that is really something which is a strong asset. And the beauty of the challenging times we're in right now with uh, the raw materials and everything is that it is a strong driver for innovation. Um, One month ago, we have commissioned our first ever uh, PVC plant, which is using uh, reused PVC, so recycled PVC. So we are pushing into more sustainable approaches because we strongly believe in it. First, but also because um, there is an alignment of planets in the market, which is opening some doors where we cannot have um, uh, competitiveness with this reuse material, which used to be more expensive than the others. So we see that um, somehow the market is creating value and we are making sure to um, to deliver that value uh, as our role in, the, in that food chain. So two strong thrust here the first is this truly local approach being local everywhere around the world and uh, staying on top of the innovation curve and saying if there is a possibility to have these shorter loops uh recycled materials sustainable approaches then we want to make sure that we do our best to bring that to to everyone
1: no uh well fantastic perspective really enjoyed this conversation um, one of the more informative ones I've even had on this podcast out of uh, 200 episodes so I, I thank you for your time and, and all this information very much
0: well it was a pleasure and <laughs> you don't see me right now but I'm, I'm blushing <laughs>
1: <laughs> great Anton thank you so much
0: thank you Travis words on water